0: Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Cop On.
1: 2 a.m. Moonlight. The train has stopped out in the middle of the plain. Far away, points of light in a town flickering coldly at the horizon. As when a man has gone into a dream so deep, He'll never remember having been there when he comes back to his room. As when someone has gone into an illness so deep, everything his days were becomes a few flickering points, a swarm, cold and tiny, at the horizon. The train is standing quite still. 2 a.m., bright moonlight few stars welcome to cop on podcast you luscious sweetmeat my name's owen and those opening lines were from a poem called tracks by thomas transtormer as translated from the swedish by robin Fulton. In this episode, Brian and I begin by discussing COVID-19, what's going on in Hong Kong, where he lives, and Paris, where I live. Uh, And we talk about this for roughly eight minutes and 38 seconds. So if you're just here for the footy chat, skip on, my sisters and brothers, skip on. So... Well, without any further freddy ado, let's do what thousands of Floridians do to the sea on a hot day, regardless of a worldwide deadly pandemic, and get straight into it. I'm uh, over, what's the the expression, over the moon, but over, over, way beyond the moon, um, over Jupiter, to be joined by Brian in Hong Kong. Um, Brian, first of all, how are you in the current situation? How, what's going on this COVID nineteen thing in Hong Kong?
0: Well, it is. Uh, well, first of all, good to hear your voice. Good to be back on the on the pod, and uh, it's uh, it's a, like a little slice of normality. Uh, this podcast, when uh, the world is uh, playing out like uh, like a Mad Max uh, movie right now. Um, <laughs> it's weird. Like in Hong Kong, I think Hong Kong is probably the most prepared place in the planet right now for this thing because we uh, we went through about seven months uh, of uh, psyops uh, training uh, for for this uh, virus break outbreak because the the previous riot situation. Uh, we never thought, oh, like well, I never thought in a million years that like next year there'd be something even more batcher crazy than that, um, and uh, and and this virus thing is so. But but we we are about two months ahead of you guys, um, with the kind of the life cycle of this thing, and so we we have gotten used to uh, life. Post virus outbreak. Um, so after the initial shock and scare and panic buying and all of the stuff that I'm seeing all around the world right now, at least in Hong Kong anyway, things have uh, have have settled down somewhat. I mean, there's still quite a high degree of uh, um, stress about the whole thing, um, but personally. Uh, I'm pretty good, but you know we've been homeschooling our kids now for like two months, <laughs> and uh, that's probably more stressful than the virus.
1: <laughs> well, they yeah, okay. I mean, your 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 kids as well, because you work in a in a boarding school, don't you? Yeah. Well, my wife teaches at
0: uh, at a boarding school, and we have um, students from all four corners of the world. I think, you know, at last count, we had like 120 different nationalities uh, per academic year. And uh, and there's only 250 students here. So it's quite a small, very multicultural place. Um, it's, uh, it's I mean, it's just a bit chaotic, right? Because uh, these kids are in the early stage. It's, it's funny because in the early stages of this virus outbreak, a lot of international students... Uh, want their parents wanted them to return to wherever they were from, um, thinking that they'd rather have them at home. And uh, during these kind of uh, this uh, this crazy time, but now there's there's a like a rush of people all around the world trying to get back to Hong Kong um, because Hong Kong seems to be one of the few places in the world that's got a grip or is seems to be um, handling the situation better than than others. so I think um, a lot of uh, with a lot of institutions, not just academic institutions, a lot of institutions out there right now, it's like it's just such a unique position. there's no playbook uh, for this situation. so uh, some some institutions are doing it handling very, very well. They're taking decisive action and others are kind of you know waiting to see what the rest does. so So the the, the answer to your question is like we're just kind of playing it day by day. It seems to be it seems to be changing uh, day by day. I mean, I I was speaking to my wife earlier on today and uh, I I just can't see any way that uh, this doesn't lead to just a complete shutdown of pretty much everything for four weeks. Globally, <laughs> it's the it's the only way you could probably uh, slow this thing down.
1: So there are more and more cases, and and uh, um, in in Hong Kong, uh, and uh, people are self isolating and social distancing and all that stuff. Yeah, yes, yes, and no. I mean, they
0: the Hong Kong government, like who um, really were in badly in need of some good publicity, uh, um, uh, actually. You know, a lot of people consider they 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 you know responded to this particular incident anyway uh, quite well. Uh, they were quite uh, in some respects. Uh, I mean, they they shut down the schools very very early um, and shut down all the schools. Um, Hong Kong people are quite used to uh, viruses, and I think Chinese people in general are um, quite. Uh, germaphobic in some respects, because you know, if you go to a Chinese restaurant in China or here, the first thing that you will do is wash the cutlery <laughs> with hot water. <laughs> um, you know, most people do that. And so when there was like a virus um, on the on the loose here, the literally 99.99% of the population here right now is wearing a mask and has been wearing a mask for two months. Like You can literally not walk out any part of this uh, city. And I think, what, there's like seven million people here uh, and will not see a single person. The only people you may see not wearing a mask occasionally will be expatriates, <laughs> you know. Uh, the
1: um, irresponsible ones, yes.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, there's there's a debate on whether that works or not. Uh, but, you know, it depends on who you read and what, 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 what they say. But I can't help but think, you know, Hong Kong is the most densely populated place on the planet. And we have an open border with China and which is you know, not too far from Wuhan, which is where this thing started. And yet we, I would say we're in the top five uh, geographical places of in terms of performance. Because um, I think, you know, that we've got about 130 cases, but this thing has been going since January here. Um, and uh, I think over the last two weeks, we've only had seven new local cases, but we had fifty imported cases. So I think, you know, people rushing back on planes to get here because also the 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 healthcare system in Hong Kong is very, very good. It's basically it's based off the English system, but without the massive strain <laughs> of the English system. Um so uh yeah, so I mean, we, we we I mean we're doing quite well here, we're doing relatively good, relatively speaking. How, how's things how, How's things going for you in, in in Paris and in France? Are you guys?
1: Uh, is there a sense of dread there, or what, what's the latest? Oh, there's a sense of dread if 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 the metro's two minutes late. That's the the <laughs> nature of Parisians, I'm afraid, you know. Uh, but uh, you know, it's it's um you know this is where existentialism comes from, Jean Paul Sartre. Hell is other people. That's what he said. But he only said that because he lived in Paris. Pretty sure. Um, uh, yeah. No. It's it's uh, Macron has been on telly. Uh, I think it was yesterday, about telly or your TV screen or whatever, uh, and uh, said that um it's very typically uh, a French response. I mean, I'd, I'm not here to French bash. I do love the French actually, uh, but um, you know, having said that, there there is a, a sort of saying. Um, a proverb that I invented, which, you can't, which is that you can't do anything in France without killing a tree, because you need paper for everything. So what Macron <laughs> said is that the country is on lockdown, so you cannot go outside, apart from to the supermarket and the pharmacy. You can't do anything without killing a tree, so you have to get uh, something called an attestation, which is like an authorization certificate, um which you which you can print yourself and fill out yourself so wow. you authorize yourself in writing oh wow go outside it's absolutely weird but uh, apart from that it's quite uh yeah i mean i don't know yes let's go let's go on to the football let's talk <laughs> about the footy um of course of course It's insignificant compared to the health of people. Jurgen Klopp said it, but we knew it even before dear Jurgen told us. Um, So they they were talking about solutions for football, what's going to happen. And just today, UEFA got together uh, on a webinar, whatever you call it, video conference thing. And they decided to postpone uh, the Euros until next year apparently they demanded 275 million euros for delaying it i'm not quite sure if that um has come to pass or not but they're gonna delay the euros that's sure brian so presumably what happens now is that this season can finish uh, the season that started Um eventually when this pandemic dies down and things return to I don't know if it's going to be normal but within when football can resume again um we can finish this season off um how relieved are you Brian how how much do you think that was that is the right decision compared to for example voiding the season and starting again um
0: uh, I mean if that is the case I wasn't aware, I wasn't aware of that and if that is the case then I'm massively relieved because I think, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I had some solutions pre-baked for, for this discussion. But if you're saying now that the, 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 the Euros is gone and we can use that time to, to wrap up whatever we need to wrap up or, you know, any extra time we need for the new season after this, then that's perfect. Because I think if, particularly this particular season, I think if, let's say they did null and void it, and they said, okay, nothing happens. Nobody, ha- nobody does. I think, it, yeah, it's. I think everybody would be fine with that, except Liverpool, um, and and even some some football purists. I think of of the other clubs. You know, nobody. I mean, I know we've been. Uh, been tough on the team a little bit of the last couple of weeks because our outstanding form has dropped, a, you know, a, a few games or a few weeks in a, in a row, and uh, you know everybody's forgotten what they what this club and this team has done for two years. But you know, you, you cannot get away from what what uh, what we've done two seasons now back to back. You know, we were we were involved in the most amazing title race in the history of English football. I would imagine, right? I can't think of another one that was so, you know, toot and nail and such high levels of performance last season with, uh, you know, a team that gets loaded or was getting loaded as one of the, the best premiership team of, or, you know, one of the best English football teams of all time. And then we've just gone one better and just blown them out of the water and blown everybody out of the water. And I think we've been a, a victim of our own success somewhat. This year, because we're so good and because we've won so many games, people are some some quarters are, are, are looking at the rest of the league saying, well, you know, nobody gave them a proper uh, competition. No, it's just this team we're, were brilliant, you know. So I think whatever solution they find, they must find a way to um, finish this league uh, in a way that uh, it keeps its, um, I don't know, I can't find the right word for it, but um, doesn't belittle the the, the league and, and, and football in general, because I think there would be a huge proportion of, of Liverpool fans anyway, if they just blatantly write this thing off and say, hey, sorry about this, but, you know, we're going to have to do it. It'd be a bunch of, to be so defeated after 30 years of waiting uh, and, and you know they'd be like, fuck it, I'm gonna follow Formula One now. I just can't be. Why am I invested so much of my time on this thing? I mean, my thing with about that is that I'm all for fairness. You know, I don't care whatever the situation is, or, or if it's against my team, or if it's against you know whatever my interests. As long as it's fair, I'm all I'm all for. And any solution that doesn't involve Liverpool having a chance to uh, rightly claim their title is, for me, it's just simply not fair. Um, uh, I get that there's other teams that that have like, you know, best interests, like relegation candidates and whatnot. But uh, the simple act, I mean, the thing is that people quote the Bundesliga as an example, but I I don't know, I haven't looked at the results, but the Bundesliga doesn't have a, a team that's 25 points clear of the next rival. Um, So if it's just a normal league in a normal situation, that's kind of a lot easier to do that. But when you have a team that's so far ahead and only two games or one week of fixtures, of mathematical fixtures, away from clinching uh, not only the title, but potentially the highest points tally the league's ever seen, then it would just be a complete travesty. So uh, I mean, if that's the case, I know my friend Carl, who's practically on on life support at the moment, thinking that we're not going to get the title. <laughs> uh, that'd, be a, that'd be an amazing thing. I'm just like, I'm just going to write him off. I'm just like, he's not going to be my friend anymore if we don't get the title because he just won't be around and will not be. We're fun, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, the only numbskulls I've I've I, I've heard about who, who who mentioned voiding the league are. Uh, people like karen brady um looking at the table west ham are um basically on equal points with bournemouth who are in the relegation so they're, they're on 27 points with watford and bournemouth so west ham of course it's in their interest to void the season and start again um and of course you know uh, but i don't i don't really understand why alan shearer was all for avoiding the season and starting again, but I read that Richard Keys, old hairy hands that creep. I don't even know why I'm talking mm. about him. He's not even worth talking about. He's such a, such a creep and a idiot. Basically. Oh, he's such
0: an arse, isn't he? I mean, he's he just... an
1: arse. He's a buffoon. He's a buffoon. <laughs> That's one oh. of my strongest I... insults. I can never let anyone, and I never looked at Keys. He said that uh, you know Liverpool had had been very, very poor. In his blog, and he said, uh, what else did he say? What other nonsense was he spouting? Basically, he was saying that this this gap that we have, which is 25 points, the gap between first and second, so only two points uh, less than West Ham, Watford, and Bournemouth have accrued all season, and more points than Villa and Norwich have accrued all season. But anyway, this gap of 25 points, we can somehow lose it in nine matches. Well, because our form has been that poor, and honestly, that guy—obviously his hatred for our club—I mean, I don't really know why anyone can can be so. I mean, like, oh, and I
0: have wow. a message. I have a message for Richard Keyes. If if he's, if for any chance he's listening to this podcast, this message goes directly to you, Richard. Your mother was a hamster, and your father smells of elderberries. I fart in your general direction.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. The strongest That's my best word possible. Yes, precisely. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Um, those words echo in your head, Richard Keyes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He'll have nightmares about that for years. I'm sure he is listening. But yes, he's a doofus <laughs> and a buffoon. So we'll stop talking about him. But uh, you know, it's only it's only the idiots who who, who, uh, would, who would dare to suggest that uh, Liverpool don't deserve it. But something you said earlier, Brian, that you know, it's a you know, Liverpool fans. Um, you know, are the ones who would lose the most. I mean, think about Sheffield United, for example. They're on 43 points there, two points away from the Champions League places if Man City's ban is upheld. Uh, So their fans are having a great season. Same for Wolves. They're in the same position, just two points away from fifth. So their fans would be absolutely devastated. Uh, Leicester City might be devastated as well because they're... Quite comfortably in the Champions League places, as I mean, as we I, think, but uh, yeah, I think the fairest. Now that you're talking now,
0: I think of I think the fairest solution would involve finishing this particular season off, whichever way we do it and whichever way we can, because that's the only thing that's actually accurate to the performance of the teams in the league. And then if that eats into next season. Then, then fine. Then, then maybe next season is the season that's that's a strange buffer season, um, and that and that's fair because everybody knows the uh, the whatever the circumstances of that strange buffer season is right from the get go. But what's not fair, as you say, like for Sheffield, like so. So just putting my Liverpool hat down for one second now, and you say yeah, Sheffield United, Sheffield United have been absolutely phenomenal this this season. Hats off to them. I I love that guy, that manager. I think he's he's a really uh, uh, breath of fresh air in football. And they played great football. And if they are right on the verge of Champions League, wow, that's almost as an amazing achievement as us as, as winning the league. Um, and to take that away from them, yeah, no, we shouldn't. That shouldn't happen. And uh, anybody who says it, it, you're right, it's just a baboon. I mean, you know, I read Alan Shearer and I just lost all... I can respect for that guy I mean not that I had a huge amount I didn't have any feelings towards him either way he's a good striker but I mean he headed a lot of balls in his time right <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes I that could explain that's
0: all true. I'm going to say on that okay yes. I'm not
1: <laughs> um, he was very prolific with his head absolutely he scored
0: most of his goals by his head his big big head and, you know shit. <laughs> but... <laughs> you
1: have to pay the bill sometime that's all I'll say <laughs> <laughs> I think you could be right, but uh, you know. Um, but uh, no, if, if if we are if we are saying, I mean, it looks that way. It looks like the season, in one way or another, will manage to finish. You know, hopefully over the summer. Right. Hopefully that won't uh, impact on uh, uh, you know. Well, I don't know. Like if we're playing two games a week, for example, to catch up. Uh, I mean, Liverpool have, have nine games left, so if you play two a week, you, you can do it in four and a half weeks. But it's going to have a big effect on the players. So they just think how much how fun that would be. The, the sports scientists uh, about that one, but uh, yes, as you say, Brad, that that would be fun. That would be fun. But um, you know, think about it. It looks like that way. So this this season will finish, and Hendo will do the shuffle um has your the way that you're sort of remembering i mean already it's only been a couple of weeks but you you sort of put football in its context of course it's unimportant compared to global crises but i find that you know the next game as and when it does start again which will be hopefully the Merseyside Derby at Goodison, I will be so happy that that game kicks off. Win, lose or draw. (laughs) I think my appreciation of the game has actually gone up more than gone down. I know it's irrelevant, but it's just how much are you missing it, Brian? Oh, you know, it's, it's everything. <laughs> I deeply
0: love football. I embrace the madness of football. I know it's crazy. I, I know it's like, I really get uh, very emotional about football, uh, particularly my team. And But even when I'm watching, like say watching match of the day and I'm watching a record of, you know, games of other teams, I'm screaming at the ref, you know, for bad calls and saying, come on, <laughs> how can you do that? You know, it's, uh, somebody described football as, working class opera, you know, it's just like week in, week out. You are guaranteed to have highs and lows, talking points, moments of pure magic and uh, just explosions of joy. Um, and yeah, I like, I mean, I, I like a lot of sports uh, and many sports can, can give you highs in different ways, but I just think football is very unique in um in the way it just it drives you crazy it makes you it turns you into madman you know it's it's just it's crazy that you know a bunch of guys kicking a ball around a, a, a park can can bring grown men to their knees crying <laughs> you know <laughs> with with joy <laughs> um but it does. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just a big part of my life. You know, my weekly life, everybody I'm known as, as somebody who's crazy about football. Um, and, uh, now that it's gone, um, you know, I'm just waiting for it to come back. You know, I mean, I, I'm quite pragmatic as well. You know, I think it is what it is. We are where we are. It, we will get over this. Things will return to a level of normality eventually. Um, but in the meantime, yeah, it's a, it, there's a big, big, uh, big, big hole uh, gone. But it won't take the shine for me off this, this season or uh, our achievements or this team. Like, I just remember, I think we've talked about this previously on the pod when um, there was a time, uh, I think it was under Rogers' uh, tenure, where even though I, I, I loved the team, I just didn't trust the team. Uh, and I just there was too many players in the team that I just thought you know I don't trust you. There's something, you know something about you. You you've got you've got quit in you or or, or, or you know I'm not, not to be too disrespectful to some of the ex players, but this particular team, uh, almost to a man I would say not not quite. To a man, but almost to a man. You just look up and down the team, looking down the squad, and they're just such solid, solid, solid characters. And to to have to uh, have somebody like Jurgen Klopp uh, curating this football experience, and uh, to be able to enjoy him, because you know it's very easily that he could have not ended up in Liverpool. He could have ended up somewhere else, right? But he didn't. He ended up with us. And since the day he signed, it's just been joy, pure joy, pure bliss, win, lose or draw. No matter what happens, he has a way of making things okay. Um, And even in this virus situation, you know, uh, I just, you know, I haven't heard any other managers speak about this thing. But, you know. He, he, sometimes he talks like a philosopher, you know, <laughs> on a, on a, on a, on the mount, uh, giving. He, he doesn't want that. He's the ordinary guy, you know. But he talks to such, such solid words and such common sense. So, um, yeah, look, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's weird not having it around, uh, but I'm okay with that. And when it comes back, I'll be waiting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, having Jurgen at the
1: helm is is incredible isn't it i mean you know the for me the greatest manager in world football i mean you could say that guardiola has won more trophies and things i think klopp has actually been incredibly unlucky you know games like atletico madrid that i'm trying to blank out as much as possible um uh you know just because for the for the result, but it was a brilliant performance we were so unlucky just uh, unfortunately adrian making the mistake but uh, mistakes can happen to anyone. And as you say, even when we lose, it's spectacular. You know, draw, it's spectacular. And win, it's even more spectacular. So, I mean, you know, if and when this season does does resume, let me just remind you of some of the records that we've already broken. Um, this Liverpool team was the fastest to beat every single opponent in the league. We managed to do that uh, you know the, we beat the previous record but thirty one games uh most consecutive uh home wins uh we managed to do that uh, when when we beat david Moyes' west Ham three two uh that was twenty two consecutive home wins the previous record was twenty you know and there were just loads of them you know possible ones that we can break of course big ones like you know a hundred points we could we could we could break we can Uh, collect the most home points, the most away points, um, most wins, uh, most home wins, uh, most away wins. It's absolutely insane the amount of records this team can break. And to have it, you know, interrupted in this way, gosh, I mean... People talk about a curse. Uh, I think that's a bit uh, too metaphysical for me, but uh, it's just extraordinarily bad luck to have this happen. This of all seasons. But let's, uh, you know, think about the good times. What's been your goal of the season so far? Well, oh <laughs> two two goals really stand out <laughs> for
0: me. That's uh, Fabinho and uh, Salah. Uh, against Man City, I think. I liked the Fabinho goal because I just thought it was such a rocket. It's the the ball I imagine all football players dream of, both professional and amateur, the ball that just gets laid off to you and just bounces just right in front of you in the right manner and you just put your laces through it and it went straight into the top corner like a rocket. And it was just, it was visceral you know that was like the, it took the net off and it that's to me that's the best of football right there you know that's just like just old school just hit it as hard as you can <laughs> and uh, it didn't it didn't rise up it just went straight where it needs to go and then um, but but a goal that i think will will be remembered for for all time not just this particular season was Salah's Heather, when it's if I, my memory 70 uh, correct. It started off in the right, the right back with uh, Trent, and he, I, I don't know if he did it with the outside of his left foot, but he, 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 he sent it cross field. Uh, it was like a cross field through lob ball to onto the running path of Andy Robinson, who took it in his stride, and then took maybe two touches at pace, and then whipped it whipped it into the box and Salah just got on the end of it with his head and it was in the goal and it, it happened in like three seconds and I was like, sweet mother of Jesus, that was an amazing goal. Uh, and like it, I think we at a lot of the websites at the moment, because there's not a lot of things happening, they're asking people what their favourite goals were and all this kind of stuff and immediately everybody thinks of Dennis Bergkamp uh, and that, that flick over goal that he did against Newcastle and I think that goal uh will uh, Trent and, because it's not Salah's goal, it's Trent's, Robo's and Salah's goal. That goal will go down in history and people will think, yeah, that Liverpool goal was special. So I think of that goal, that goal would be my uh, absolute favourite, not just of this season, that's one of my favourite goals of all time. Yeah, I would
1: agree. I would agree wholeheartedly, 100%, because um, it's the context as well, the fact we were playing... You know, the, the Centurions, um, the, the Man City team, who at the time, you know, a win for them would have put them right in amongst the, the race. But I think that game absolutely killed them, really. I mean, they just looked uh, beatable um, after that, um, even though they'd lost a couple before. Uh, it's, it's It's... I can't... I don't know. I can't. I can't wait for it all to to kick off again. Obviously, in the context, it's much more important that people stay safe, stay in. But without it, what do we do? I mean, I don't know. I tried picking up chess. I played about 150 games in uh, three days, and I lost about 146 of them. Wow. Uh, <laughs> chess is not my game. Uh, well, no, I'm exaggerating. I, I won maybe you know seven. Um, wow. But uh, no, it, I'm, I'm really bad at chess. I've discovered that. Um, I've, I've started. I don't know. Doing more exercise, cooking some new dishes. That there are lots of things you can do. But I don't know. I miss the emotional roller coaster of football. I miss it loads. So it's really nice to talk to you, Brian, about this. Um, you know, just a couple more questions. Um, Uh, The top three players, it's too hard to pick one, although we'll try, but your top three players of the season.
0: Okay, well, uh, my my top player of the season would be Hendo. Uh, Even though I have a well-publicised love affair with Mane, I think Hendo really... uh, like I think his ascent into this role that he's in now has been happening for some time, but it, it takes, it takes so, it's some achievement for him just to step out of the shadow of Stephen Jarrett, because he casts a long, long shadow and, and he has done that and uh, he has established himself as him, as his own man and as the captain, as his own captain. I think his, uh, captaincy has now been framed, um, and we will look back at the Jordan Henderson years, um, and uh, and he he just yeah he's just he's developed his own thing, uh, particularly this season, and uh, it's great because I, I've always had. Um, uh, I've always held him in very, very high regard um, and uh, not in, in large sections of the Liverpool fan base for large portions of his career. He, he wasn't really given the credit that he deserved, in my opinion. And I think that's because he came from Sunderland, uh, you, you know, not not very fancy team. Um, but I mean, he's been playing premiership football since he was 18 um when he, you know when he came to us he had so many games under his belt uh, as a footballer and I, and he was in his early 20s um in a team that had Mascherano and uh, I don't know it was Shabby. I don't know if Shabby was still there when he came in and um, Gerrard and so on um, and uh, you know injured aside, he's always done qu- quite well for us but he's got he's got better and better as he's going on but now in these last 2 years I really think, uh, particularly this season, it's really shown his his industry. Uh, his uh, I love the way he just verbally abuses the referees right from the whistle. I love that. It's like it's like nineteen nineties football all over again. <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's old school. I love it. Uh, it's like that gnarly, horrible United team that they would just get up and the, the the referees' faces and just argue for everything. There's like shades of Gary Neville about him <laughs> in that respect. Um, and so yeah, so he would be my my uh, my clear uh, pick for number one player. Uh, the other two, it's uh, it's more it's, it becomes a lot more difficult for me to to pick because there are so many good players. Um, I don't know who's your who, who who are you thinking?
1: Well, it's really hard, as you say, it's really hard to pick three. Uh, but for me, um, Mohamed Salah is our best player still. Uh, mm. He he hasn't had. The it's this season that he got in the last couple of seasons, but uh, for example, in the Premier League, he's got 16 goals, which is more than anyone else in the team with six assists. And if you bear in mind that he's triple marked and quadruple marked in in most games against uh, low block teams, then to have 16 goals with with nine games left, I mean, he's going to hit 20 again. Just in the Premier League, that is, because in the Champions League he's got four goals and two assists. He's a, he's our top uh, scorer in the in the Champions League. So to do that from the right wing, although he often plays centrally as well, but you know he's he's. When I saw him live, I had the absolute joy to see us play live against Southampton at Anfield in February, and you could see, and you could see in the, in the Atletico Madrid match if you can go back and see it. There's there's a, he's got a way of playing football that is that is different to to many, many, many other players that I've seen. I, I, I remember Zidane had it. Uh, Zidane had a vision in passing that was un, un, unparalleled. He had this amazing vision of being able to find passing angles and controlling the game from the middle of the park just with his passing. But Mohamed Salah has got this, a similar vision for space and mm. if you the Atletico Madrid match again, if anyone's brave enough, I urge you to sort of pause the game every time the ball goes towards Mohamed Salah, right? Pause it, look at the space, look at it from the Atletico Madrid's point of view, the space or the lack of space uh, there is for Salah to exploit. And what, what would Salah need to do What what would his first and second touch need to be in order to create a chance or to what would the what would the most dangerous touches he could possibly make? What would they be? You know, ask yourself that question, and I promise you, ninety nine percent of the time he's taking those touches and he's causing not just headaches but migraines migraines amongst the defence that you know they, they need to go and sit in darkened rooms after playing against Mahan <laughs> he's he's just a phenomenal player but I, I mean you mentioned sadio Mane as well 14 goals and seven assists in the premier league for sadio um in uh, 24 matches and two substitute appearances uh he's top of the who dot com rating uh because they always rate attackers more than anyone else, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, how can you look past Henderson? How can you look past Big Verge? and Trent? Twelve assists. It's crazy. Twenty-one years old. It's yeah, it's not, mad.
0: It's you know, it's in, it's you it raised an interesting point about Salah. Um, I think um, I think football is uh, very overly simplified a lot. And as a lot of people have very strong opinions about football, and they don't actually understand the game very, very, well, <laughs> I think, I think. Um, and the way you, the way you just described the fact that he is double marked, triple marked, quadruple marked against a low block, people don't take that into consideration. They just say, what was his number last year? His number this year is not bigger than that number. Therefore, he's not successful. And that's not the case at all. You're, you're, you're right. I mean, it's just. Um, There's so much more to it. You know, it's not just, uh, it's not a video game. Uh, You can't just uh, expect them to uh, perform exactly the same way because it's a dynamic situation. Um, And uh, yeah, for him to get those goals against, like I've never seen such um, skillful teams play so defensively in my life against this Liverpool team. You know, you've got big, big teams that you would think are above that. You know, their reputations are too big for them to shut up shop. But they do, right? And it's the ultimate uh, compliment to the power of our team that you have these massive, massive Champions League uh, level teams that just are so fearful of what this team can do that they...
1: City did it. They, they, They did it. You know, they... The Centurion team came to Anfield and played for a nil-nil draw.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I it's difficult to say. I mean, I, I, you know, I would say, you know, you Salah is your man of uh, man of the season. Hendo is mine. But then, but then, like there's so many players, as you say, across it's the whole team really. I think you know, I I pick one player that kind of stood out just marginally over like a a whole team of players that stood out to me, um, because I think each each one of them uh they 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 deserve a standing ovation like when they when the season gets going again and uh, we eventually get this uh uh this title then uh i think you know other teams should applaud this team because what they've achieved is amazing um and uh, i'm just glad that uh, i mean it's 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 so liverpool that this thing has happened now <laughs> of, all the, of all the years because it all wouldn't all be years. It wouldn't be Liverpool if it was straightforward, right? You could never predict this. You would say, oh, we're 25 points clear. It's definitely us," And then, wallop, an asteroid hits. OK, I don't want to say that, just in case, because NASA did say there was a few asteroids coming our way. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but, you know, a, a pandemic virus takes over the planet. It's like you couldn't. It's 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 so it's such a Liverpool thing. Um, but, um, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's difficult to pick three, to be honest, Joan.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, yeah, it is. It's so difficult to pick. But, uh, you know, well done. We're, we're just looking back on, on what's been a, a super season and we can make more and more podcasts about it. Mm-hmm. Listeners, do get in touch with us uh, with your ideas of what you would like to hear um, from us over this, uh, you know, enforced break. Um, but, uh, yeah, some of our... Great results. That result against Man City, for example, I'm going to remember that game for as long as I live. That was absolutely <laughs> terrific. Um, Mo Salah's goal against Manchester United actually had me. Um, I, I don't know. I ended up ripping my my uh, my shirt off, and I was I was running around my living room topless. Uh, I've never done that before for anything. I don't know. I mean, even Coronation Street the british soap opera never made me do that but uh, another another record we could break is the amount of weeks spent at the top um in liverpool's own history uh we <laughs> we uh, won the league in all of these seasons uh 22 23, 82 83, 65 66, 87 88, uh 79 80. 78, 79, 72, 73, and 21, 22. Okay, going back a 100 years. Uh, but uh, we've never spent more than 33 consecutive weeks at the top. Um, and even if you take out the coronavirus break, then we're already at uh, 27 consecutive weeks at the top. So... Uh, we will break that record that has stood since the nineteen twenty two twenty three season, uh, if and when we do end up finishing first, um, and that's the kind of context that this team um, creates is you know comparison, single season comparisons to the great Liverpool sides of of the past. But uh, as uh, we've said before on Cop on Podcast, I wonder. You know, if you agree with this, Brian, before we go, that this team will have to stay together, will have to keep on winning uh, to be called a truly, you know, the greatest Liverpool side ever because, you know, we've had teams that have won six leagues in nine years, for example. So we're some way off that, aren't we, Brian?
0: Yeah, defo. I mean, I think, uh, yeah, I think, you know, we need to go ahead and get this league out of the way, get it done, and then we need to defend the title, uh, the following season. And, um, I mean, it, I, it's, you know, it's all set up for us to dominate right now. Um, you know, uh, with City in the state that they're in, United are quite far off the, off the pace. Um, all of the other following teams, none of them seem to be in the same place that we're in, in terms of the squad development, etc. Um, there's a little bit of, uh, uh, housekeeping that we need to do this summer with you know, certain players you know, moving on and, and we do need a few uh, big names or kind of a couple of uh, first team players I think to keep people on their toes but um, yeah I, I really I can't, like once things once the world w- returns to normal which it will um, and we can get back to you know watching the thing that we love so much uh, I, I can't see any way that we don't go on and just dominate the game for the next um, for the next two to three years, um, and even if let's say, you never know with football. I mean, I'm I'm old enough and I've watched this thing for long enough to know. Don't say never. I remember thinking, you know, Torres is never going to go anywhere. Where would he play anywhere? Did he sign for Chelsea? And I'm like, oh, Jesus. And now in hindsight, I can understand perhaps why. Maybe I don't know, but um, so never say never. So, but if for example we lost one of our amazing three players up front, God forbid. I don't think that will happen. But if we did, um, Jürgen Klopp has made this club a destination and not a stepping stone. Uh, And there would just, there's the players queuing up around the block to play for him and to play in this particular. Uh, this particular team and this particular project, you know, there's like there must be some really, really, really big players uh, out there just thinking, oh, just to be part of that, just to play for that guy, that kind of football that's not like in that stadium with those fans. It, it, it must be like one of the most joyful things you could do as a footballer. So, uh, you know, it's just we're just in such a good place right now. And the club is is so well run. Right from the top, right from the top, right down to the to to the to the tea lady, they're just doing it right at every level, and uh, long may it last. And uh, yeah, it's great.
1: No, absolutely. Um, It's good that you mentioned um, Liverpool as a possible destination because my final question for you, Brian, is uh, these rumours that are are getting louder. Um, It was it was uh, published in on the Athletic apparently that uh, Liverpool have stepped up their interest in Timo Werner. Uh it looks like, you know, we can't tell, we don't know what's going on of course, but it looks like he he's got a you know, a a very, very good chance of joining the Reds. And I've been watching him, I don't know about you, Brian, I I tune into the odd Leipzig game just to watch him because for me he's he's dynamite. He's he's got so much Uh, power, uh, tons of pace, he's a finisher, and there aren't many players in world football who could seriously challenge our front three for a starting berth. But he's one who definitely could. What's your take
0: on Timo? Uh, I'd be very honest with you, uh, Owen. I have not seen a lot of him, and when I say a lot of him, I have not seen any of him. I haven't even seen a YouTube reel. That's how little I know about Timo Werner. Oh, okay. I'm
1: asking <laughs> the wrong guy. No worries, no worries. Well, uh, no, but would no...
0: you but would you say that um, if if he came, would you th- would you think Klopp might revert back to his uh, his his four two three one? Uh, formation to 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 fit him in to the rather than. Yeah. I'd love to see it yet, yeah,
1: because then you could you could rotate between uh, Jeannie Vynel and Henderson and Fabinho in those sort of holding ro- roles. I don't right. know what it would mean for uh, for example Chamberlain or uh, Cater, You know, would they be both fighting with Bobby Firmino behind the number nine? Uh, but uh, it would be such a fluid. Uh, front four they could all play in all of the positions and yeah. uh, you know I talked about defenders having migraines they would have panic attacks so I think they would need they would need to be in a darkened room but with a brown paper bag if we sign <laughs> Timo Werner because they'll be hyperventilating.
0: Yeah, I would love that. I would you know uh that, that formation with that much tacking attacking flair on the pitch. Uh yeah absolutely be brilliant and I, it kinda, it seems like i mean although I don't know much about him, it does seem like he would fit into the system quite well um yeah so i mean yeah i'm i'm i that seems like a, it's a done deal right it's the it's the biggest open secret in football right now, it has been for weeks, <laughs> you know, he,
1: but... he's been uh, openly you know what do they call it um uh flashing his underpants <laughs> in our direction, and it turns out that they're red, he said some incredibly complimentary things about Liverpool and Jürgen Klopp publicly. So it seems like he wants to come. And I promise you, Brian, and all the listeners out there, if you don't, know Timo Werder, check him out. Um, Go on Leipzig forums, read what they have to say about him. They all love him. He's an icon. He's a hero there. And he's like, I don't know, he's got so much pace. You know, Insigne, you might remember, is a very, very good play. He's played against... Mm couple of times with napoli sort Mm. of similar but imagine Insigne with lightning pace oh that's
0: that's music to my ears because i've been dying for us to sign him for years i just think he's a perfect player for us he's got so much guile and so much um invention um when he gets the ball you just think ah something something's about to happen he scared the life out of me when we played against them Um, So he's like him, but with pace.
1: (laughs) With uh, a lot of pace. Oh, my God. Yes. I mean, it's going to be dreamland. But, I mean, if this Liverpool curse does exist, then it's going to surely spell disaster for the planet uh, if we do (laughs) uh, sign Werner. So uh, it's been great knowing everybody uh, on that note. Uh, And if, uh, you know, hopefully uh, there will still be a planet for next time. Uh, But I want to thank you, Brian, for being, you know, talking about uh, all kinds of things today. Uh, Thank you so very, very much. My um, pleasure. Speak to you again soon. Well, that conversation ended rather abruptly, didn't it? Ah, well, never mind. So does this scent. Uh, And just before the good ship cop on, ties its mooring ropes to the pier once more, let me just remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at Cop-on podcast. You could send us photos of your toilet roll to CopOnPodcast at gmail.com or you can support us via Patreon.com forward slash podcast. Uh, you can also really just simply help by shouting about CopOn from your open windows to your neighbours in this unreal time. The world is a train that has stopped at 2am in the middle of a plane. What a situation. I don't know who you are, dear listener, I don't know where you are, but I do hope that you and your loved ones are safe and well and that everyone is keeping their distance. If by any chance you're finding it hard to keep your distance from people, imagine that everyone you meet is Richard Keyes. Thank you so, so much. I love you all. ta